are back for episode two. Did you miss us? I hope you did. Because we got a really good show. Caleb, I think they missed us. I miss them, man. I miss them, too. I, I hope you have our hot take, your hot takes ready for this episode, because I definitely have some. Week three recap, crazy games, a lot of boring games, too. And then, you know, we'll go into our favorite segment, week four pickums. who we got, NFL. We got some good games coming up. I might have some hot picks. Who knows? We'll talk a little controversial turf action, considering Sterling Shepard's ACL injury. And then we're going to hop into some postseason baseball. Under 10 games left to play. We're going to talk Yankees, Angels, Dodgers, the whole nine yards. Maybe some NL wild card, too. And then we're going to wrap it up with some 10 minutes of college football. Heisman odds, big time going. Is USC on the up and up? Who knows? All this. Let's do it. All right. We got a good week. Caleb, welcome back to the studio. As me, too. It's good to be back. Good to be back. Let's just dive right in. Right now on the top of the itinerary is the Bills-Dolphins. And last week, we called this as one of the best games so far of the week. Game of the week. That ending was nuts. Hashtag fins up. It is a good time to be from the 305. <laughs> Pitbull performing at the Hollywood Bowl last night, man. I saw it on people's snap stories. The Miami hype, it is real. They are, it's real. They're number one in the power rankings. Number Can you one, that? lone undefeated team in the NFL. Who would have thought? Not, not me. That's for sure. Honestly, I'm kind of feeling like Jalen Waddle is up on that wide receiver one end more than Tyreek Hill. That might be a little interesting, just because maybe because he has a little more receiving yards. But Jalen, they're both performing like wide receivers one, wide receiver ones. And when you get that from a team, no stopping them. Best receiving core in the league. Undisputed. I like that take. I like that take. But with Miami facing off of the problems of the butt the butt punt, if I'm saying that correctly, they still pulled it off. I believe that terminology is correct. Yeah. I believe it's officially the butt punt. Something interesting, though. In this game, the Buffalo Bills had more total yards, passing yards, and rushing yards. And if you told the folks at home without knowing the outcome of the game that the Bills led in all those categories, you would for sure think the Bills would pull out the win on that one. It's a surprising one for sure. I would have thought it too. I picked the Bills last week. Dead wrong. Caleb got that one right on the nose though. But here's what's kind of piquing my interest from that game is the final play with Josh Allen over to Isaiah McKenzie. You would say it would be in the middle of the field. He tried to weave around those defenders and try to get out, but he didn't. And that's what caused the clock to come down and hit zero. OC, offensive coordinator coach, going crazy, slamming stuff, slamming the Microsoft Surface Pro. What if, this was a kind of a conspiracy theory I was thought of, what if he just went up the middle of the field and got the first down and then would it? do you think it would have been easier to stop the clock? You know what? That would be very reminiscent as a 49ers fan. That would be a huge flashback to last year's postseason when Dak, when Dak slid did that. Yeah. and the same situation happened. And you see there that, you know, the same thing happened to him. That's definitely a tricky situation for sure, especially no timeouts. Going straight up the middle of the field, obviously the clock is running down. And you still have to rely on the refs to, to place the ball so you can snap it with the clock running down. They had what, like? 10 to 15 seconds left I think I think even less than that less than that I think they would have had, had enough time to to check down Isaiah McKenzie spike it do another play 
I think well, based on which, as you said, the Dallas Cowboys doing that last year. I think the Bills are a little more game planned than the Dallas Cowboys, considering they're one of the best teams in the NFL and they're just overall aspect. They got a good game plan going. And if you see the memes all over social media, their offensive coordinator would also agree with that statement. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I was watching Red Zone and I was like, is that actually happening? And you know what's funny is like the other coach covered the camera. So the, or maybe he did. I'm thinking the other coach covered the camera. So no one would see that rage fit of him just blowing up everything in the office. I can't even imagine what's going through there. Unprofessional to say the least. But. Unprofessional rage. And let's, speaking of rage, Charger fans have something to be a little pissed off about. The topic right now is how bad the Chargers are bleeding. And I would say they are bleeding a lot. So based on this past couple games, season opener even, you have... The quarterback, a fractured rib cartilage. Who knows when that's going to heal up? All-pro center, Corey Lindsley, knee injury. Left tackle, Rashawn Slater, torn bicep, out for the season. That's kind of disappointing. And then your number one wide receiver, Keenan Allen, has been dealing with hamstring issues. That's a problem. He's only played one game. Top pass rusher, groin injury, Joey Bosa, out for four weeks. And J.C. Jackson, not responding well to an ankle injury. Is this just a re- is this just a repeating domino effect for the Chargers where just injuries upon injuries every single year? Yeah, especially coming off of their last season, 2021, I believe that was one of the healthiest seasons that they've had in a long, long time. And, you know, they made a postseason run out of it. I agree. I actually have hope for you and the rest of the L.A. Chargers fans. Currently, the Chargers sit third in the AFC West. Looking ahead, obviously their competition is the Kansas City Chiefs and the Denver Broncos, especially coming off atrocious. Oh my gosh! Was it Sunday or Monday? Sunday and Monday night. Sunday nights. But Sunday night's game against the 49ers, atrocious, terrible prime time game. Terrible. Anyways, more on that. But looking ahead at the next three opponents for the L.A. Chargers, they play in Houston, in Cleveland, and then they see Denver at home. And personally, I have them going two and one the next three games. I don't mind that take. I like that. Keenan Allen's questionable to come back. Um, He's starting to practice again this week. Very great news for Herbert and the rest of the offense. And then the Broncos play in Vegas, and then they play Indianapolis, Indianapolis, and then they play the Chargers. Personally, it's hard to see the Raiders going 0-4 to start the season. I say the Raiders beat the Broncos when they come visit them in week four. And I'll put the Broncos at one and three for the next three games. And then the Chiefs, the Chiefs have a tough schedule coming up. The Chiefs play in Tampa, which I have Tampa Bay beating them. This this gives you hope. (laughs) And then they, and then they play, and then they play Vegas and then they play the bills. And I have them going one and two in that stretch that evens all three teams at three and three. It ties all teams for first place. I say the Chargers have hope moving forward despite these injuries. That's some in-depth stuff right there. It gave me hope for sure. It gave me a lot of hope because there are some a lot of there are positives to take away from the Bolts here. Like the running back room is not too bad. Sony Michelle has been okay, but Josh Kelly has been really good. It sucks that Louis, Larry Roundtree had to hit the waivers, but it hasn't been good. Even though that Austin Eckler hasn't been producing as much as he did last year. I mean, the guy scored twenty touchdowns last year. Was he going to repeat it? Probably not. But even just to keep the consistency up. 
And another thing with that, along with the offense, goes with the defense. I feel like la- watching last week's game against the Jaguars, if one's not going, the other's not going. The Chargers defense is good. We know that. It's really good. They showed that in Kansas City and against the Raiders. It's really good. It's just they all. It's a, it takes a village for to win a game. It does take a village. Another thing encouraging, too, is the Chargers still have a top three passing offense. I still think the Chargers are in a good position moving forward. The Chargers wide receivers definitely need to step up with Jalen Guyton missing the rest of the year with an ACL. So it's got to be up to Josh Palmer and Mike Williams, who have been extremely healthy so far this year, knock on wood. So they're going to have to really step up and show out what they could really do. Because Mike Williams as a wide receiver one has been absolutely money. You go past times where Keenan Allen's been out. Every time he gets the Chiefs, he shows out. And I love that. It's what he can do without the other person out. It's something else. While the Chargers have been putting up, I mean, it was a bad game. Um, there are there were worse games. There were worse games, and two of them happened to be in the prime time slot, and that was Dallas and New York on Monday night, and then the Broncos and 49ers, which we call was the punt off. The punt off. Here's a fact for you, Jeff. All right. The Broncos had nine three and outs. Both teams combined had 19 three and outs. How many do you think were converted? Based on the game, zero to two. One. One. One was converted. Unbelievable. I mean, they. I saw a comment. I forget who said this. I think it was Eli Manning on the paint on the Manning cast on Monday Night Football. Is they should have paid the punter two hundred thirty-five million instead of Russell Wilson. That was pretty down bad by them. But it was a tough game. But honestly, Broncos fans booing your new franchise quarterback. But then you're like, oh, all's forgiven after one small clutch play. It's definitely what have you done for me lately. It's very controversial to me, that's for sure. It is very controversial, especially since Russell Wilson. I saw this on the herd. Russell Wilson was voted top most liked player by players in the league. He was the most liked. Really? Yes. It's hard. Honestly, it's hard to hate on him, even with all of his weird antics. As yeah, of are you kidding? I'm not a big fan of him. <laughs> like when he's like Mr. Unlimited, I'm like, what are you doing? Broncos country, let's ride. Let's ride. And then the new TikTok was like, that's pretty dangerous. With what? He's just, it's just, and you see those videos of him just kind of circling around, eyes closed, and you see that one camera guy, and he's like, Russ, take it and all in before the game. No, he's not. This is ridiculous. Cringiest NFL quarterback right now in the game say what you want about his antics and his cringiness he is 17 and 4 all time against my san francisco 49ers that's good and anything you want other than t- we're talking records though daniel jones we'll go to the other primetime game secondly daniel jones is 0 and 8 on primetime games 0 and 8 it's almost getting to kirk cousins level of bad on primetime wow when you're compared to the Monday Night Goat, that is Kirk Cousins, you're you're in bad company. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's just getting atrocious. And the Giants are on primetime a lot, considering they're playing the Cowboys on Sunday Night Football every other week. It was encouraging, though, to see the New York fans showing out, though. Yeah. It's always good for any sport, basketball, baseball, football, when New York's fan base shows out and, you know, the crowd's hostile. It always it, was, yeah. it always makes for an entertaining at least atmosphere for the players and the fans and people watching on TV. Yeah, I think that the Cowboys pulled off a, a good win, and no thanks to Ceedee Lamb, who ridiculous one-handed catch, ridiculous one-handed catch, also with a drop potential fifty-two yard touchdown pass. Granted, yeah, oh that killed me. I thought I was gonna lose my fantasy football 
team or my fantasy football match on that one. Fun fact about Cooper Rush, he's the first undrafted QB to win each of his first three NFL starts and throw for 750-plus yards over those starts since the GOAT, Kurt Warner, in 1999 with the Rams. Do you know what Kurt Warner did that season, Jeff? I think he won the Super Bowl. He won the Super Bowl and was Super Bowl MVP and league MVP. What a story. What a story. What a story. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. You're coming with the facts hard. I do my coming homework. in, diving, homework, and I'm just talking out of my butt right now, just off of. I didn't feelings. do I didn't do my theology homework. But <laughs> I do my podcast homework. That's true. But wait a minute. Do you smell that? What is it? Do you smell that? What is it? It smells like our week four pickums. We got to get into it. Like I said, it's fast. It's furious. It's serious. My boy, take us away. Thursday night, we got Dolphins at Bengals. Jeffrey, I am going with the Bengals what? in this one. No. I am going Come with on. the former How? AFC champs. Hear me out. Short week, short week in Miami. Home field advantage for the Bengals. And prediction for snow? The Bengals are coming out with the new Yo. powder white snow uniforms. Wow. They are going to be undefeated with those uniforms. They are beating the Dolphins. I'm going to take the Dolphins regardless. I'll go opposite of you on that one. Next, we got Vikings at Saints, and I'm going with the Minnesota Vikings. Same, Vikings, one. big time. Browns at Falcons, I'm going with the Browns. I like the Falcons on this one. I'm going Falcons. They're at home. They've been, they're a high-scoring offense. Let's see how they contain Nick Chubb. That's it. I'm going Falcons. Bills at Ravens, I'm going with the Bills. Bills as well, although I hope Mark Andrews scores a lot. Commanders at Cowboys, I'm going with the Cowboys. Cowboys, all day. Them boys. Seahawks at Lions. I'm going with the Lions, considering the Seahawks have one of the worst run defenses, and the Lions are third in rushing yards in the league right now. I'm with the Lions as well. I'm Ben on that. I'm putting the house on the Lions. Chargers at Texans. I'm going with your Los Angeles Chargers in this one. I can never bet against the Chargers, but it's going to be a close game, that's for sure. Chargers. Titans at Colts. I'm going with the Colts simply because they're at home. Divisional game. It's going to be a good one. Give me the Titans. Derrick Henry's heating up. Who knows? Bears at Giants, I'm going with the Daniel Jones Giants. Ooh, I'm going with them Bears. My boy Fields, all day. Jags at Eagles, I'm going with the Eagles. Eagles, yep. Jets at Steelers, I'm going Jets. Ooh, I kind of like that. I'll go Jets with you on that one. Zach Wilson's come, might be coming back, so it could be a possibility, but they've been doing well with Joe Flacco. Cardinals at Panthers, I'm going with the Arizona Cardinals. Cardinals, absolutely. Patriots at Packers, and I'm going with the Packers, especially considering Mac Jones is going to be out with a severe high ankle sprain. Yeah, that's a tough look, but Packers, yeah, absolutely. Aaron Rodgers is finally up and up, so we'll see. Packers. Broncos at Raiders, I'm going with the Raiders. Oh, I can never. I'm, I'm going Broncos here, and I hope they lose, but I, I love betting against the Raiders. That's just me. Ideally, you'd want both teams to lose. Yep. Chiefs at Buccaneers, I'm going with the Buccaneers. Bucks? I think this is our game of the week. You think it's our game of the week? Give me the Bucks. Give me the Bucks. High-scoring game. Rams at 49ers. I'm going with the 49ers. Ooh, I'm going Rams. Low-scoring game, though. And for our folks at home that listened to our episode from last week, if you're curious about how me and Jeff did in our yes. picks, we both went 8-7. and seven. And if the math doesn't add up... I want to make a declarification. I did not go 8-7. and seven. I actually re-listened to the track. Oh. So he... I am 8-8. Eight and eight. Okay. So Jeff... I'm at 500. Jeff is 8-8 eight and eight at 500, and if you're doing the math at home and you're like, hold up, that doesn't add up to as many games as there were last week, Nope. you can blame that on me. That was a rookie <laughs> mistake. <laughs> rookie mistake. 
But we got our weeks four. Hold us to him. Um, what I want to talk about now is in that Monday night football game, Sterling Shefford suffered a pretty non a pretty bad non-contact injury. He tore his ACL out for the year. And Odell Beckham, free agent right now, he's he has some thoughts about the turf. And he really said in a tweet, billions made off this grass, and he can't, and he says he can't understand why we can't play on grass. And that blank is rough. Prayers up for my brother just hurts my heart. Now, being the curious person that I am, I was like, what's the stats on injuries with between grass and turf? So I did some research, and artificial turf is significantly harder on the body than grass based on the NFL injury data collected from 2012 to 2018. And it said that players have a 28% higher rate of non-contact lower extremity injuries while playing on an art while playing on artificial turf. I'm pulling some stats from you, from you. I'm taking, taking some Jeffrey doing his homework. Yeah, I exactly. Like it. I like it. And of those non-contact injuries, players have a 32% higher rate of a non non-contact knee injury on turf and a staggering 69% higher of non-contact foot and ankle injuries on turf compared to grass. Numbers don't lie. Numbers don't lie. So that leads to my next question. There are so many stadiums with turf fields. So the recently built $5 billion SoFi stadiums built to turf, a lot more too. What do we do with this? What do we do with this stat? Like why 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 is this the way it is? When it comes down to it, it's really just maintenance convenience for staff that work for the people that work on the field obviously it's a lot easier to maintain turf than it is grass it's interesting that this stat shows up and it's just made like in it's inconvenience and it's hard for indoor stadiums to keep because outdoor grasses sun's got to come on it definitely you know obviously, and yeah. it's hard when you're in the wet in the east coast when the football's in the dog days of fall and winter that there's the sun it's mostly rain and it'll be more least effective than the turf you'll get more injuries we'll go example when it was raining bears 49ers week one isaiah or mitchell got out with a, with a knee injury i wasted a fourth round pick on him in fantasy football but it's definitely a it's definitely an interesting topic to state to say the least it's worth reading more about google it on your own but it's just something to talk about when more billionaire owners see their franchise player getting injured on non-contact injuries, such as Sterling Shepard, they may reconsider. Now, we hope you enjoyed the NFL side of things. Let's get into Major League Baseball, which is my bread and butter, Caleb's bread and butter. We may sound like pros talking about the NFL, but that's just rookie numbers-ish. There's a lot more people out there, but we love baseball. And recently, the Yankees clinched, and... As we're recording this episode, Aaron Judge hit his 61st home run, which is pretty special. Tying Roger Maris. Perfect. In, in Yankees franchise history. Yankees franchise history. He's one away from leading. I mean, this season has already been so special. So special. Pujols, now Judge. The Dodgers Dodgers are killing it. It's just, it's a what a time to be alive for baseball. But all of that does not matter if... You can't produce in the postseason. So now that the Yankees clinched, will Aaron Judge continue his regular season dominance into the postseason? Well, Jeff, 
I did some homework. Let's yeah. bring up let's bring up his numbers from his last. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five postseason. We're going Aaron Judge in the postseason as of his five years as a Yankee. In twenty seventeen, his debut year in the postseason, Judge hit a whopping one eighty eight. With ne- only four home runs, may with I add. With only four home runs. His next postseason, he hit four twenty one with three bombs. In 2019, he hit 272 with one bomb. In 2020, which, you know, COVID season, he hit 133 with three bombs. And then in last year's postseason, he hit 250 with zero bombs. That's a collective 230 batting average in the postseason throughout five years and a 340 on-base percentage. Should Yankee fans be worried about this? It's It's a really tough call. But this Aaron Judge is on a different level. He is on a different re- level. He is hitting over 300 regular season for the first time in his career. Obviously, home run numbers are astronomical. It's a tough look. I mean, you see, you've, we've seen guys that have been super good in the postseason. Trey Turner, for example, leading the league in batting average last year. But I think he had only one or two hits, three max, four in the postseason in 2021 it was concerning it was concerning which leads to the question jeff aaron judge's batting average postseason lifetime is a collective 230 230. as you mentioned does he hit over 230 this year does he hit over let's say 260 yeah we put the line at over under 260 i'm going under you're going under please explain i'm going under because Okay, so Aaron Judge has hit over 250 in every regular season of his major league career. These numbers don't correlate to his postseason numbers. And I don't really have a I don't have evidence to see that just because he's hitting a lifetime best 314 as of now, I believe. I don't have evidence to say that he will that those numbers will correlate to the postseason. Especially because, you know, we don't know how many series they're going to play in the postseason. We don't know who they're going to be facing in the postseason in terms of judges' success against that certain team's pitchers, etc. Also, I think that he'll only hit two bombs in the postseason. Only two home runs? Are we talking in one series? All of it. So let's say they make it to the ALCS. They've made it through the ALCS. How many is he? Home, how many is he hitting? If the Yankees are in the World Series, the mean, the average of all of his home runs combined in the postseason is two point two for his lifetime. That's the average of all the bombs that he's hit in the postseason. I'm gonna say that I'm gonna round down and say that he hits two bombs. He this only hits two home runs based off the math. Yes, I don't know about that. He's hit 60, 61 now. 61, but that is, a, granted, a huge sample size. A huge sample size. And he's also hit, he's had a season with over 50 bombs besides this season. And the postseason bomb numbers are not staggering. The postseason bomb numbers. The post-season put that on a bomb t-shirt. Numbers. That's, put, a, new, that's put a new way to put that stat. Yeah. Postseason bomb numbers. Oh, my god! They don't correlate. They, they don't, don't correlate. correlate. No. Okay. I say he hits more than two. He might hit two in the division series. That's where I'm saying. He might hit. I think he's going to end it. I mean, he had four home runs in 2017, even though he hit 188. And based on his at-bats, they made – oh, 2017, they made it to the ALCS. 
So they had two series. Two under their series. Bills. Yes. And they granted they lost in game seven, but he, they had four. He had four. That's the most he's had out of any postseason to date, from what I'm seeing. So your your numbers are not far off. They're mathematically right, but who knows? Averaging two bombs a series. Yeah, pretty much. But we gotta we gotta take into factor that Aaron Judge is not your average player. He is something way more. I think he could hit maybe up to five. So you're, the you're, going, you're going extreme one side. I'm going extreme other side. Yes. Okay. He could also hit. A, he could do a median, because let's be let's be brutally honest. Without Aaron Judge, the Yankees are atrocious. Atrocious. They are terrible. I mean, there's I can't think of another bat in that lineup Stan. besides maybe Rizzo, Rizzo and Stan. It's just it's so inconsistent, really inconsistent. Aaron Hicks is picking up Joey Gallo's strikeout rates ever since he left for LA. Um, Rizzo's doing okay. I'm not I'm not the Yankees fan. I'm just speculating at this point. But Rizzo, he might be doing okay. You know, you got a clear defender in there. Stan, on the other hand, it's just the strikeouts. And what I've learned watching, I'm going to say, nine years of postseason baseball is that strikeouts are huge. Strikeouts are super huge. Huge. Because it takes – there was this – you know, whole thing when I was when I was a little leaguer, like you want to hit the ball on the ground because you got to make you got to hit the ball on the ground. The guy's got to field it and he's got to throw it and the pit and the first baseman has to catch. There's three things that have to go right in the ground ball. Fly ball. Only one thing has to go right. It's catching it. And that's it. But now strikeouts take all those away. And that's why the Braves were so successful last year. Braves bullpen. Really scary. Put the ball in play, good things happen. Like you said, that's basically what you're saying. Put you know? the ball in play, really good things happen. Saw that in a pod, the Padres Dodger game last night where Padres tied it up on a error, and then the Dodgers tied it up on an error, and then granted Kimbrough walked in the winning run, but we're not going to talk about that. He might not be on a postseason roster. That's another hot oh, take. Oh wow, on that is a hot take. Yeah, he might not be on a postseason roster, but it goes to the fact that the Yankees bullpen isn't that bad. It's really not that bad. You need a good bullpen if you're going to compete you need in the a postseason. Really good you really need a good bullpen. Really good. And the Braves got it. The Dodgers got it. Cardinals, yes. All I know is they got a guy throwing 103. Two guys throwing 103. It is – it's going to be – it's going to come down to pens. It always does. And always hitting. does. Always does. It's always pens late in games. Who can close the game out? Who can get outs? Because granted, every out in the postseason is difficult to get. You're playing against the best lineups in the league. It's it's something. I mean, the Yankees have a starting and relieving pitcher ERA of a team three three four. Third in the third in the league, which is not bad at all. It's best. It's second best to the AL Astros. I hope we see another Astros, Yankees, ALCS championship. That's I love watching that. I'd feel so bad for Jose Altuve walking into Yankee Stadium. Oh man, I would feel be bad hostile. for everybody in that uh, in that Astros uniform. It's tough. But while we're talking about the teams that made the playoffs, there's one team that has two of the best players in the league, one up for an MVP, the Anaheim Angels. I'm not going to call them the Los Angeles Angels. They're not in LA. Yeah, that's that's a that's a wince to all Angels fans out there. That's a Dodgers fan for you. That's a Dodgers fan, yeah. I try to be bi- unbiased on the air, but it's hard to when the Angels are trying to cram It's, it's hard to when you bleed blue. Let's just be blind yeah, about it. Yeah, bleed blue. Um, 
Angels missed their eighth consecutive postseason. What are they doing wrong? I think I know the answer to this. I just want to hear you say it too. It's what are they doing wrong? I'll give you an example from this season. Noah Syndergaard signed free agent. Where is he at now in September? He's playing in Philadelphia. Yep. It's it it's pitching. It's pitching. It's simply pitching. Angels are twelfth in the league in ERA with three eight five, but it comes down to starting pitching too. I mean, a three eight five ERA is not terrible. There are worse teams out there. In fact, playoff teams that have a worse bullpen than the Angels. It's just they don't have any those trustworthy guys. They don't have those starters that will get you. Granted, minus mm-hmm. Shohei Otani, he's the outlier. They don't have those starters that will get you six, seven deep, set up the bullpen. Also, it's difficult to be successful like that as a starting pitcher and go deep in games when your offense is not producing runs for yes. you. It's tough. And they are signing guys like Rendon and all these old guys that – what did Ren? I, I haven't even heard of Anthony Rendon after that 2019 World Series. Granted, that's why they signed him is for his performance in the postseason in 2019. Yeah. And you got to give it to him. He had a great postseason. Great postseason. But and what's he doing now? Sitting on the bench. Not a lot. I guarantee you he's not hitting over 260. Yeah. For the, honestly, the most part of his time with the Angels, he's just been ailing his injuries. Yep. It's the Angels definitely. Also, Shohei Otani, what's his future? We know Mike Trout's going to stay. He made that. He made half a billion dollars. Shohei Otani was up for trade what for trade looks in the middle of the season this year. What's his deal now? What is he gonna stay? Is he gonna go to a contender? Who knows? He hasn't got paid. So Honestly, the best scenario for the Angels, do what you did this season. Talk to teams about him. And this time, ship him out. Get something for him before he signs to a big market team. Cause Shohei owes the Angels nothing. Minus the fact that they signed him as a rookie, granted. However, what are they doing for Shohei? He's doing so much more for the Angels and the Angels fan base. If you go to Unbelievable. games, you will see a yeah. sea of Shohei Otani jerseys. He brings he he is the true definition of what baseball wants, and they want b- to bring in players from different areas of the areas of the world. He brought in a mass diverse people just by playing in Anaheim, and it's I love that. I love that he's bringing in different people to the game, and that's what you want at the end of the day. But it's just it's hard to do that. And he, I think he had a quote was like, "Oh, I want, I do want to win, but I'm very happy in Anaheim." It's just who knows. Honestly, I think best case scenario for the Angels is trade him while you have him and get something for him. Don't just let him walk and let him sign to a big contract. Because next season, I'm pretty sure is his last season with the Angels on their contract like get something for him he's literally one of the best hitters and pitchers in a single body but also like what do you even get for him like what is even his trade market you know like he's so valuable who do you even get for him he's literally two like i said two of the best amazing hitter and an amazing pitcher in a single uniform it's it's it would almost be a juan soto trade type where you're just shipping off a ton of prospects for him and that's very true but also the ownership, the Angels owner just sold his share of the team. I think in a scenario like that, like the Washington Nationals, obviously, I'm not, I can't remember if the owner's still there or if he walked, but I know that he's wanting to sell the Nats, right? Yes. So 
I feel like in a scenario like a Juan Soto scenario that would have had to happen this year because obviously moving forward and who knows maybe Shohei signs an extension maybe the Angels promise him some help in the rotation maybe they offer him some help in the lineup you know you never know what happens in this offseason never know a lot of good free agents out this year personally I would be sad to see him go I mean Angel Stadium is what 10 minutes 20 away. minutes away tickets yeah. are five bucks <laughs> i gotta say I'll, I'll hand it to angel stadium it's not it's like basically don't i wouldn't say judge a book by its cover it's not too pretty to look at but it's super convenient to get into and out to it's very convenient and it's in a great area anaheim is. is great anaheim is great parking lot is easy easy it's easy to move around the stadium can't say the same for the dodgers but oh my I, gosh don't get me started on the on the ravine man it is a <laughs> it is atrocious to get in and out of. That's why you see. I remember the 2017 World Series where I don't think there was there. You could still still see empty seats. And my buddy went to me. He's like, "What's going on? I thought the Dodgers were excited to be in the World Series. Where are the fans?" I'm like, "Give it time. They'll be there in the third inning. You know, they're just dealing with the traffic. L.A. traffic. By the time third inning comes, it's packed house. It's tough. Very but true. I'm taking." Los An- Anaheim parking over over the Dodgers any day of the week. Any day. Can't say the same about the lineup, but... <laughs> exactly. Can't say the same about lineup. They're about to do something special. But who's going to play the Dodgers or the Mets in these wild card games, though? We got a pretty tight wild card race in the NL. I can't really say the same for the AL. It seems already set in stone with Seattle, Tampa Bay, and Toronto. But it's really who's going to win those. But... I'm going back to the NL. Milwaukee's only a half game out from the wild card again with Philadelphia. See, uh, San Diego. I mean, I've heard so many Padre fans just complain and cry about the season. Um, and I'm saying to myself, they have the fourth best record in the MLB, or maybe in the National League. Why are they complaining? They have Juan Soto. They got they got all the pieces. I mean, granted, Tatis. Everybody hates Tatis right now, but. It's gonna. It's regardless. They're not gonna have as bad of a season as they thought they were. They might get. Who knows if they might get bounced in the playoffs early? Who knows? To be fair though, why did they? Why did they want Soto? And why? What was the excitement about the big three though? Is to beat the Dodgers. Exactly. I'll tell you why fans are complaining. The Padres have lost twelve of sixteen meetings with the LA Dodgers. Nine of those meetings have resulted in the Dodgers winning by at least a five-run margin. Out of 144 innings that the Padres have played against the Dodgers, the Padres have led in 25 of those innings. Unreal. And that brings me to my next train of thought is because they've played the Dodgers so many times, they're used to getting kicked the crap out of. And do you think if they play another good team, they'll be more ready because they played the best team in baseball? To be fair, despite those stats... Their pitching, their starting pitching, has actually done really good against the Dodgers. I mean, leading back to the 2020 Mickey Mouse World Series, as no, I like to call it. No, Blake it's Snell. Not. It's not. Blake you can't. Hey, stop. <laughs> you cannot continue this argument when you call this a Mickey Mouse World Series. It's not. Let me, it let feels me just so my, easy. Let me just why get my point across. The, why didn't the Giants do it? Why didn't everybody else let me, do let it? Let me just get my point all right, across. All right. All right. Okay, so Blake Snell has had a 2.86 ERA against the Dodgers in eight career starts, dating back to that World Series. Joe Musgrove has allowed zero runs to the Dodgers in his past two starts, 
which went 11 innings between the two starts. And you, Darvish, who, by the way, graciously took a picture with your co-host in front <laughs> of the Sleeping Beauty's castle. Just had to put that out yep. there. He has a 2.52 ERA against the Dodgers and has a 22-game streak of going at least six innings. I'm saying if the Padres, if they get past the wild card and see the Dodgers, it's going to be closer than people think. You think? I think so. All right. That's inter- That's an interesting take for sure. Also, in terms of their offense, Manny Machado has led the NL with an OPS of 988 since August 3rd. 988? 988. And he has put himself right up there in the NL MVP conversation. conversation. Okay. The NL MVP conversation. There, we can put that in there. I think, I mean... See, you're talking two starts. That's not a whole lot. That's only one pitch. Give it though. the grand scheme of the starting pitching. I've Clevenger has got rocked by them a couple times. Grand, I mean, stats don't lie, but I remember seeing a whole lot where the starting pitcher has the starting pitchers of the Padres have got rocked. Also, the Dodgers didn't win a single series against the Giants last year, and it's uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It doesn't it there. doesn't matter what happens in the regular season if you can do it in the postseason. All that matters. You can make a run for it. All that matters. Yeah, we're not counting the Padres out. So Padres fans, coming from a Dodger fan, there's still hope. You still gotta either face. I think they're gonna face Philadelphia, the Phillies for three games. If I'm correct, no, they're gonna face the Braves. Oh, are the Mets in first right now? As of now, yes, the Mets are in first. Yeah, the Mets are in first with by one game. Granted, they have a series coming up. I can't remember if it's the last series of the season, but the Mets and the Braves have a super crucial series coming up, and that's going to determine who wins the East and who is the wild card. I agree. It's going to be one heck of a postseason, that's for sure. We'll definitely bounce off that topic in next epi- in the next episode. But it wouldn't be a sports podcast if we flipped over to some college football. It won't be too much. But I just want to bring back a recording from last week's episode. Can we roll the tape, please? USC lose ones to a Pac-12, like a slappy Oregon State team. It's That stock plummets. It's just the competition level between Big Ten and the Pac-12 don't even resonate. I almost called that. I really almost did. Um, you did, Jeff. I'll give that to you. USC, did. Oregon State. It was a close one. But hey, what did I call last week? What was what was my verdict of my argument? That you think that USC is going to make a top four playoff spot. And guess what, ladies and gentlemen, listening to the podcast, they are as of September twenty eighth, twenty twenty two. They are in the sixth seed. The sixth seed. The no AP one calls top it the sixth 25. seed. They are number six behind Clemson, Michigan, and Jeffries, Ohio State. They are inching closer as we speak, week by week. Say those teams again in front of USC. Clemson, who plays number 10, NC State at okay. home. Could be interesting. Yeah. Michigan. Michigan barely beat Maryland over the weekend. Ohio State. That's all I needed to hear. Ohio State staying in. We'll talk about those two teams though. Clemson, they could possibly lose. I'm not. I'm not. I could. I could grant it for say to say that. Michigan, they're at least losing one game. They. I know there might be losing one game. And, and who, that might and who be, would that game? And be my, against? that might be against uh, my Ohio State Buckeyes. It could really go each each way. 
But thinking as a USC fan, who would you really want winning that game if Michigan's ranked lower than Ohio State? Who would you really want be winning that game? We would want Ohio State, clearly. Exactly. So Michigan dropping below, putting USC ahead. If they win, if USC stays undefeated throughout the year, they have a really good chance. They I do. think so. I, I think they have a really good chance. Lincoln Riley's playoff record, though, isn't so good. I wanted to bring that up because I don't know why. I thought it was hilarious. But it's not it's, – it's getting there. They show a lot of potential, even though teams have their weaknesses. But it, it's a real ripe possibility. All I'm going to say is out of the two last two teams that Lincoln Riley's coached, which one lost this weekend, this last weekend? Oklahoma lost. That's right. I'm just gonna put it was a, it, it was I'm, a, just gonna, I'm just gonna put a period on that period. one. Period. Yep. And I'm not I'm not a USC hater. I'm not. I'm Southern California, SoCal guy. Why not? SoCal native. I liked Carson Palmer. He's good. Carson Palmer. Good guy. And it's just they they have a chance. They have a chance. And realistically, last podcast, realistically, I was just blowing smoke up USC. To be <laughs> to be fair, I was. Yeah. It was an interesting segment. But now that I see them inching closer, I'm very, very encouraged. I mean, especially because, like I said, Clemson plays, NC State. Granted, Clemson plays at home, so that gives them the advantage naturally. And then USC plays Arizona State, which, as Jeff, let me take a a page out of Jeff's vocabulary, a slappy Arizona State team. (laughs) And then they play number 12 Utah State and... You know, like Jeff said, if they go undefeated the rest yeah. of the season, they're in a great, great spot. Granted, they do play in a weaker conference than the Big Ten or the SEC. Everyone knows that. Yeah. But, yeah, they'll they'll put on a great – regardless if they make the playoffs, they put a great showcase together of why they belong in the Big Ten. It's not going to be easy, though, for USC. It's really not. It wasn't this weekend. Because, no, it wasn't. And as you're talking schedule head-to-head matchups, Clemson's got – Florida State and NC State. I don't believe in NC State. I don't know why. I don't know why they're ranked so high. I'm we'll see. Them play. We'll see this weekend. I don't believe it. We'll I feel like Clemson is gonna roll the floor with these, with these guys. I mean, they 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 won a hard fought game against Wake Forest. I'm not trashing on Clemson on that. No, not at all. Because Sam Hartman's a great quarterback, and they gave Clemson a run for their money. But I think I don't see anything good in U.S. in NC State right now. Obviously, let's, this is on record, and it's, it might be wrong. But they have a fairly easy schedule the rest of the year. Obviously, it's college football. No one knows what to expect. And it's the same with Michigan and Ohio State. It's all up in the air. But if we're talking numbers, it's, it's going to be hard. Have you, ever watched, sure. have you ever watched QB1 on Netflix? Love that. Shout out Sam Hartman. Sam Hartman, Justin Fields, Spencer Rattler too. I'm not a big Spencer Rattler fan though. Little too cocky for my eye. He was a Heisman favorite last year. He was. Oh, speaking of Heisman favorites, we'll get into that right now. And starting, so we'll start the opening odds of the Heisman. Bryce Young was favored with CJ Stroud. And Caleb Williams following with Stenson Bennett, Dylan Gabriel, the quarterback at Oklahoma. Going into week four, C.J. Stroud is the main favorite at 250. Caleb Williams is now second 
Wow, over Bryce Young? Plus three, 300, and then you have Bryce Young at 450. Wow. Who do you think, out of this list, I'm going to show you right here, who do you think is a dark horse in that race? If Michigan beats Ohio State, J.J. McCarthy is definitely a dark horse in that. I hate giving Michigan credit, but you could be absolutely right about that. He's really good. He is really good. Really good. I kind of like Stetson Bennett as a dark horse, considering he was plus 10,000. See, I was going to say a dark horse, but, I mean, he did lead Georgia to the, the college football championship Yeah, but he's last like, year. he's just, he's just, he looks like a regular Joe. Like, it's not really, it's not a special, if you look at CJ Stroud, Caleb Williams, and Bryce Young in NFL potential, it's better than Stetson Bennett, I think. That's very true, but... You know, not every Heisman Trophy winner has a great record in the NFL. Absolutely, I agree with that. Not a great record. So, I like J.J. McCarthy's hot take. Stetson Bennett is nine. Will Anderson, I would love to see a position player win win the Heisman outside of a quarterback. Because I, I think the last person who did Devontae it was... Devontae Smith. Devonta Smith. Two years ago. Who knows? It could be definitely a season to look forward to. Because granted, Nick Saban said... Alabama was rebuilding last year. Like, what? That got a lot of uh, attention. A lot of attention. But we'll keep on it for sure. That is all the time we have. Stay tuned for episode three coming out next Friday. Weekly episodes. Thank you for tuning in, staying with us through these. Keep tabs on our takes because we know we are. Thank you guys for so much. You guys all have a great week. We'll see ya.